together asking for God's blessing on the reading, preaching of his word. Our Heavenly Father, as we turn to your word now, we ask that you would confirm your truths to us. Uh, the truthfulness of your word that sometimes falls on deaf ears. Um, let us be a hearing people, a believing people, an acting people that moves according to your will and your pleasure, that delights in looking to you for everything and seeing your work in us and through us and for us. All praise be to your most glorious name. We ask for the blessing now on the reading and preaching of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this evening I want to read and preach from Psalm 46, which is the passage, a passage of scripture that I ended last week's a sermon with, um, if I'm remembering correctly, uh, in Ezekiel. And we'll return to Ezekiel uh, shortly, but I wanted to um, think a little bit about this wonderful psalm with you, a psalm that um, Martin, Martin Luther um, used to write, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, or the inspiration of that, the truths uh, contained in that, drawn from this, these passages, um, which I asked uh, Marie if she would be willing to uh, switch the last hymn at the end of the service, um, Before the Glory of Pottery, we'll sing A Mighty Fortress then. She was amenable, so we're good. Um, <clears throat> let's hear God's word now and give consideration of its truths and its place in our lives. Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, she shall not be moved. God will help her when the morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter, he utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still. Know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. God of Jacob, the God of Jacob, is our fortress. Amen. Please be seated. So this psalm delivers to us certain doctrines, teachings, particular truths 
It tells us things about who God is and who we are and how safe we are when we are in him. And that's important to recognize right off the bat because there are things that you and I believe about God that are not true. Um, They might be kind of true or close to the truth, but uh, still are not true. Um, Some of them are subtle. uh, Some of them are not. Some of them are hidden. Some of them are not. But a psalm like this, a psalm like this that speaks very clearly to some very particular things about God is something that we ought to pay attention to, ought to really believe and hold close to. And it becomes very useful to us um, in many ways uh, for that reason, not only in telling us the truth about God, but giving us, uh, giving us a response to him when bad things happen and we find deliverance from them. Athanasius, one of the church fathers, said this, when you have fled to God for refuge and are delivered from the afflictions about you, if you wish to give thanks to God and to recount his kindness toward you, you have Psalm 46. Psalm 46. It gives us an expression of the truthfulness of who God is. Let's consider that this evening so that we might live according to it. The first truth, the first doctrine we receive is right here in verse 1. We read, God is a refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble. This is why we have the hymn, A Mighty Fortress, right? Uh, a refuge in a place like God is, is uh, compared to a place that you can escape to and find protection of or protection in. And not every place that you might escape to will provide that, right? If you're uh, facing a giant flood and you run to the closest park ramada, you are not going to be safe. (laughs) You will drown. If you put your your hopes uh, in a lightning pole or in a flagpole in a lightning storm, uh, you are not safe. (laughs) You are not finding refuge. A lot of us flee to these kinds of places when we are in trouble. We flee to places that are, in fact, more dangerous perhaps even than the trouble that we're facing. The help that we seek is our own downfall. Israel faced this many times when she ran to the flagpoles of Egypt or Assyria or her neighbors seeking help from some sort of trouble when her help should have been in the Lord, the God of Jacob, of Israel, He was their fortress and always should have been, and he must be ours as well. He is a mighty fortress. He's a strong fortress. He's not a danger to us when we seek refuge from him. He's only a danger to us when we rebel against him. If we are among the people that are trying to attack the fortress that is God, you can be assured that you are doomed. There is no victory in attacking the Lord of the universe. There is no success in fighting the one who made the heavens and the earth and who is called here the Lord of hosts. Um, Hosts here refers to vast armies, right? Imagine those, you know, the, the, the army that's so big, it's like a shadow of a cloud descending across or coming across the earth. 
Um, the Lord, uh, we read in the scriptures, is uh, the general of the army of the angels, hundreds of millions of angels at his beck and call. Not to mention being able, as we see from places like Jonah, uh, to be able to command the wind and plants and fish and worms and uh, anything he wants to call and act, he can and does. Earlier, uh, we read um, and we read similar passages here about the earth melting, just falling apart, mountains that immovable for generation after generation, just falling and crumbling and tumbling simply at the word that he declares. This is our God. We fight against him. It is impossible. It is uh, a sure a failure. Uh, but to rest in him, to find refuge in him, he is a mighty fortress. He is our refuge and our strength. The psalmist uh, goes on to write, he is a very present help in times of trouble. One of the lies that we believe sometimes, one of the perversions that Satan will try to get us to believe is that God just does kind of mop-up work at the end of things, right? You have to kind of endure it. You have to get through it. He's not really present. Maybe at the end he'll put a bow on it and make it nice or do something good with it. But that's not what it says, is it? It says he is a very present help in trouble, and this is a very broad thing that is said here. Trouble here is very, a very universal kind of thing. There isn't a, a specific context here that's given. It's saying that in all times of trouble, in every way, God is a very present help. Even in really extreme situations, like we read about in verses 2 and 3, God is present there. What do we read in verses 2 and 3? Well, first there is a, a, a um, commitment and a confession at the beginning of verse 2. We will not fear. And the reason for choosing not to fear is on the basis of God's strength. Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling... We had a similar passage last week in Ezekiel, right? Even though this great coalition of evil is coming against God's people with its hordes and its, uh, all of its weapons and all of its power and all of its plans, it's going to be fine. If the world, uh, if, if, if God's people, rather, are fine when they put their hope in him, when they seek refuge in him, even in the most extreme circumstances of trouble, even when creation is falling apart, can we not trust him? Can't, will he not be a very present help in times of much smaller trouble? What kinds of troubles might there be? What kinds of troubles are you facing right now? Maybe even list them on the front of your bulletin or in your minds. Maybe it's names of people. Maybe it's certain, certain situations. Maybe it's particular sins or fears that are in you. 
A lot of people think that God helps only with the external things, but not the internal ones. That God can command right, the plants and the animals and the wind and the waves, but he can't really control the inside of me or someone else. That my sins are just my thing to deal with. Right? That I have to kind of just work that out all on my own and that God doesn't really have anything to do with that. But he does. When we think about the troubles we face, there's hardly any trouble that's greater than our own sinful flesh battling against us with all its force and power and, uh, and strength. God not only is powerful to help in our external trials, the situations that are outside of us, but the internal ones as well. The scriptures teach us when we're facing sin and temptation, for example, a very great trouble, uh, I would say, when we're facing those things, we are to flee from them and flee to him. 2 Timothy 2.22 says, Run! Flee youthful passions. 1 Corinthians 6.18 says to flee from sexual immorality. Where do we flee to is the question. Where do we run to? Where do we go? Where do we find protection from the things that are inside of us? Well, the answer is right here. God is our refuge. God is our strength. A very present help in trouble. Are you in trouble? As you look at your list and you see your troubles... God is your refuge. God is your strength. Flee. Scripture attests to this elsewhere. 1 Corinthians 10.13 No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Now, that way of escape may be this or that particular thing in that particular moment. Uh, maybe it's calling a friend. Maybe it's, right, you can come up with useful things to do in the moments of temptation. But you must remember at the bottom of it all, it's the Lord who will provide those things. It's the Lord who will give you the strength uh, to flee and pursue righteousness. It's the Lord who will build you up and grow you even through difficult trials and struggles, uh, internal and external. In fact, God will sometimes bring trouble into our lives to teach us to flee to him. We will face difficulties and suffering, and we must remember in that that he is the one who is able to help us. God, unlike us, is not at the mercy of anything or anyone. God is not out of control or waiting for something to happen or hoping there's something that reveals itself that is yet unknown. That's not true of God. He is in control of everything. He has power over everything. Consider Job's life, for example. Everything falling down, down around him, his, his home, his family, his body, uh, his friends, right? And Satan was in that work for sure. It's partly what the whole thing is about, right? 
But ultimately, even Satan himself is being used as a tool of God. God is in total control of that situation. And he's using it for the benefit of his servant. You might feel out of control. I might feel out of control. But God never feels out of control. And he never is out of control. He's never wringing his hands. He's never planning. He's never deciding. He's never working. He's never striving. He just does what he wants to do. In fact, this is so true, the control of God, the awesome power and ability of God, the omnipotence, his omnipotence, his ability to do anything according to his holy will, is such a true and is such a true and amazing thing that even when the Son of God was unfairly bound, held, and crucified on the cross, God was in control then too. If there was ever a moment that you could point to in human history and say, right there, that one might be one where God was out of control, where God slipped just a little bit, it might be that one. If there was ever a moment, it's when they literally had the Son of God, we literally had the Son of God in our hands. We're beating him, mocking him, crucifying him, and caused him to die. And yet, in this low point of low points, the ultimate expression of weakness and suffering and powerlessness, God uses that moment and that death to become a sacrifice for sin and to achieve victory over death. That's amazing. God is so in control that he will use death, the death of the Son of God, to conquer death. Brothers and sisters, you and, I, you and I have nothing to worry about <laughs> who put our refuge, or our hope in God who is our refuge and our strength. In doing that, he wasn't just showing off, or maybe he was, right? When I say showing off, I don't mean it in any kind of prideful way as though God needed to impress anyone but I do mean it in the Ezekiel sense, where we've read over and over, and he says, that you may know I am that I am. That sort of exhibition and manifestation of his glory in weakness, in suffering, is to confirm, is to show the whole world who he is. And it also is to reveal to us the true salvation, and we hope, in any kind of trouble. What are the troubles you are facing? What are the sins that you are struggling with? Flee to God. Put your faith in him who is a refuge. So many times we, we don't do that. We say he won't really help. He can't really help. I don't want the help. All kinds of garbage excuses. 
He is our refuge. He is our strength. And he gives himself freely to you. He will help. Doesn't mean it will all be easy. We can think about Job again. It doesn't mean that there won't be suffering, that there won't be trial, that there won't be perhaps sweating drops of blood. But that doesn't mean he's not present. It doesn't mean he's not working. It doesn't mean he isn't a very present help and is persevering you, is encouraging you, is calling you and enabling you to press on in promise and hope that in one day, you won't have to strive anymore, bleed anymore, sweat anymore, suffer anymore. There's coming a day when all will be over and at rest, at perfect, perfect rest. The picture of this comes in two ways in the rest of the psalm. First, in verses 4 through 7, a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in her midst. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. This picture that we are given, this picture of our refuge, is a picture of a city. A city which... um, In other places, it's called Mount Zion. In the New Testament, it's called New Jerusalem, the new heavens, the new earth, this place where God dwells with his people. And that city is a city that is safe. There's no city in the world like this city. There's no city that you can go to that you can say, this city will never be moved. We're totally, uh, totally and perfectly safe, but that is true of belonging um, to God and to his city, the New Jerusalem. What is this river who makes glad the city of God? I think uh, the river is a picture of all the forms of God's provision. This is what water does and is necessary for city life. As we all know, right, we have to have water. This city here in Psalm 46 uh, Verse 4, is not in a mega drought. This city has everything it needs, all of its provisions coming right to it. It makes glad, blessed, happy, a productive, rejoicing of the city of God. All the forms of God's provision, what are those? Well, chief among them is, uh, is the Father himself who gives to us the Son and the Spirit. God's provision is himself. He is our chief delight. He's the one who makes us alive. And he's the one who also brings out of, uh, out of himself, out of his own will, all the providences that God works for our good, the daily blessings that we have, internal and external. If you would, just imagine that river flowing into that city. And that river is all of the things that God is providing for you. Right alongside your list of troubles, you could list those as well. What are the things that God provides for you? Your daily bread, the house, your friends, family members, um, your church, your neighborhood, laws, (laughs) on and on and on, right? 
Think about the internal benefits. Have you experienced at any moment in the past week or in the past five minutes faith, courage, hope, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control? If you have, it's from God. It's another little drop in that massive river flowing, flowing into that city in which he is providing for us and causing good things to grow. This river of provisions, a river of the Holy Spirit flowing from the Father and the Son bringing us life. Mentors, teachers, breath after breath after breath, our daily bread, and on and on and on. There's darkness in life, but the morning dawns, and we will see God in those times. This is all contrasted in verses 6 and 7 with the nations, who think they are supreme and they are not, with the strongholds in the cities that pride themselves in their strength, and they are not. So many Jerichos and Assyrias and Babylons and Egypts, that have fallen and fallen and fallen and fallen over and over and over again. You can think of that great vision that uh, we find in the book of Daniel, the great kingdoms of the earth built up until the kingdom of God, this great stone just comes and smashes it all. That's it. Our trust is not in chariots, in bows, in spears, in war, in powers of this earth. Our trust is in the Lord, the one who brings desolations on the earth, verse 8, and the one who saves us from the desolations on the earth. Our hope is only and must always be in God. And that's why we have the end of the psalm in the way that we do. The Holy Spirit concludes this way. Be still. And know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. When it comes to fear and trouble and anxieties and worry, the scriptures call us to be still and know that I am God to be still in the knowledge that he is God, to be still in the knowledge that he is God who is our refuge and our strength. It's one of the reasons we have the Lord's Day, one of the reasons the Lord gives to us the Lord's Day, so we can just stop, stop the working, stop the striving, just shut things down for a little while and be still and know that he is God. Life is hard, and it often does involve much labor and struggle. Peter says, prepare your minds for action. There will be action and wrestling and toils and, and troubles of various kinds. But in the midst of it all, we must remember that the Lord is working, and one day all trouble will be brought to a final end. Um. A man who is called in church history the Venerable Bede, uh, an English theologian, he writes this, 
When the labors and hardships of this age come to an end and our debts, that is, all our faults, have been forgiven, the entire people of the elect will rejoice eternally in the sole contemplation of the divine vision and that most longed-for command of our Lord and Savior will be fulfilled. Be still and know that I am God. That's what we put our, our hope in. And we do that not just at the end, after it's all over and we figured it all out. We do it now, in the times of trouble, because God is a very present help. Let's trust him. Let's pray. Our Lord God, we confess to you our lack of faith. As sad as we are to say it, we must recognize that it's true that our faith is often weak, um, is crowded out by various fears and anxieties, various troubles which feel to us far too overwhelming, far beyond our ability uh, to manage and control and get ourselves out of. When we see these things, we don't put our, our hope in you. Uh, we look to external circumstances. We look towards our own uh, craftiness and ingenuity, our cleverness, um, we put our trust in other people or institutions. And while there may be many helps, even things that you yourself have provided, we separate them from you. And this is sin. Lord, thank you for waking us up this evening to this fact and allowing us to see not only our sinfulness, but our refuge from sin. You our God, our hope, our strength, our very present help in trouble. Even in our lack of faith, Lord, let us flee to you. Even in the smallest bits and pieces that we have of, of true and real godly trust in, in you, we know that that doesn't happen apart from you. Even the smallest seeds of faith are given to, you, are given to us by you. Therefore, we can trust you, we can look to you, and we can ask you to help us run, to help us find our strength and hope in you, and look not to our external circumstances or, or even the, the powers that are inside of us, um, but instead to rest only and always in you. Lord, we do ask that you would keep your promises to us, that you would be our refuge and our strength, that you would persevere us and help us to grow, perfecting and refining, proving yourself through your servants, and that one day, after many little moments of rest, you would allow us to enter into that great and final eternal Sabbath, that we might not long, we might uh, not any longer be afraid or be scared or struggle under temptation or wonder what's going to happen next, but that we might completely and always uh, rest in you. Lord, thank you for being with us. Thank you for being our fortress. We pray this in Jesus' name, the Savior of our souls. Amen.